Like number one being extremely dependable, you know, the second one is being authentic. Um, the third one is being tough, you know, and together. And, and that's the big thing. And so, um, and the key phrase we say is everybody eats. So EAT, extremely dependable, authentic, and together, you know. Welcome to the Jamoti Podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamoti, just a matter of doing it. Today, we are joined by the head boys basketball coach at Melissa High School, Stephen Fryer. After a career as a firefighter, Coach Fryer started coaching as an assistant at Frisco Liberty High School. After three seasons, he became the head coach at Liberty and finished with 130 wins and 57 losses in six years. He led the Red Hawks to three district championships, including a regional quarterfinals appearance. Coach Fryer was named District Coach of the Year three times. He's entering his first season as the head coach at Melissa High School. Before I hear from Coach, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Jamoti Podcast. How's it going, Coach? There he is. What's up, Coach? Hey, nothing much, nothing much. How you been? I'm good. I'm good, man. Good. Thank you uh, so much for giving up your time, coming on, talking some hoops with me. This is awesome. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, I'm happy to do it. Definitely uh, excited to talk to you know fellow fellow basketball coaches and all that stuff. So. Well, tell me something. But well, first, golly, I gotta, but I gotta say this. Congratulations, man. Yeah. Uh, for taking it. over a new program in Melissa. Man, yes, rich hi- rich history there. Like that, that's pretty yes, special. Congrats. No, I appreciate it. No, it's uh, you know, after I um just my part of my basketball journey, you know, I've always dreamed of being in a place like that, you know, and um it's the one high school town, the community, being able to uh, you know, have development going up from the youth programs all the way to high school, you know, and I'm a family man. I have four kids myself, you know, so having all that um, all rolled into one, especially in Collin County where I'm from, I mean, it's it's a dream come true, so I couldn't be happier. You're right. That is a pretty special uh, special environment right there where you pretty much get to know a lot of those kids from when they're little. And exactly. you, like you said, get to have your hand really all the way down through, um, especially coming from Frisco ISD, which I'm sure you loved your school, and there's nothing against any of the Frisco oh, schools. It. But Love. in that ISD, how many high schools now? Twelve. Twelve, yes, sir. Twelve, and it's yeah, it's growing a lot. <laughs> I remember, coach. Yeah. I remember playing at the Colony, where okay. we would have to drive up north to play at the two high schools up that way, Frisco High and McKinney High, and that was it. So yeah, things have changed, man. Oh yeah, it's changed a ton. Changed a ton. You know, I it's it's I was a Plano East grad. I graduated in '02, and so like it's. It's changed a lot since then. <laughs> Tons. So. Who did you play for playing the East? Steve Adair. Yeah, Coach okay. Adair was my coach. Yeah, so I'm great, great man. He passed away uh, two years after I graduated. But, yeah, he's an awesome guy. So. Ever since I started listening to Tim Ferriss's podcast and then read reading some of his books like Tools of Titans, I've always been fascinated with the daily habits of great leaders and coaches. Yeah. So what are some of the daily habits that set you up for success? Yeah, so, I mean, wow. Um, Nominal. So I think the first thing is, um, you know, I, I like to um, attack every day, you know, just with a purpose, you know, and like I think that, um, you know, when it comes to coaching, I mean, just anything in life, you know, you're called to do something bigger than, you know, what your job is. You're called to do your purpose, essentially. And so yeah. for me, um, every day I start every day I wake up at 445 every morning, regardless, you know, so some people think that's early. Um, for me, that's just the time where I have my me time. You know, I'm a father. Uh, four kids. Uh, my wife is um, in education too, you know, and she likes to sleep in. So that's, that's kind of my time for myself. So um, I get up, you know, I do a devotional every morning, you know, it's really kind of gets my mind, the right frame of mind and kind of focused in on um, something outside of myself, you know? Um, and then I go work out, I go to the gym and I, you know, lift weights and um, you know, it's not the same workout every time, but it's kind of just my time to be myself, you know? Um, and so every single day, I mean, it's a devotional, it's a workout, it's some type of, um, something to kind of charge my brain up and charge my body up to where like I can go in and attack the day, you know? So I'm a morning person, you know, so habitually, I mean, that's kind of the things that I love, you know, doing. Um, aside from that, I mean, that, those are the two main ones I say every single day, you know, but um, aside from that though, you know, it's just daily stuff, you know, trying to make sure you win the moment. That's the big thing. <laughs> Always been a morning person. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, I'm sir. jealous Always. of that. Always. I, I, I can't, I can't tell you just how many people like, that I feel like I've I've read about or listened to mm-hmm. and these high functioning like leaders 
yeah. successful, they get up early and they Not dominate you. the morning. And Not I you. struggle to do it. And then, and so you start to wonder like, what's wrong with me? Like, why, can't, <laughs> why yeah. can't I? Cause like, I mean that even like right now, this time we're, we're doing spring stuff here. So like I'm up at the school at 6am, but okay. that 515, that alarm goes off. And I, I feel like I'm back in college and I'm going over those, those excuses again of why I don't have to go to class today. I already got it. I already know what I'm doing. Like I'll, I'll think these guys don't need me to go, but man, like they're the motivate. They don't realize it. They're the motivation for me to get Agreed. up early. But but yeah. So four forty five. You said four forty five every morning. I get up, and uh, the one it's funny you brought up college, and that's another story. When I was in college, and I went to college of the Ozarks in Branson, Missouri, and like my uh, of course being from here, you know, there was one morning I didn't wake up. I don't know if I was up late the night before or what, but didn't wake up, you know, and there was snow on the ground. So I kind of, I knew it was going to snow the next day. So I'm thinking I'm from Texas, you know, we are gonna have, we're going to have a snow day. Um, I'll never forget my roommate and he's a big coach in Missouri, he coaches in St. Louis and he does a great job there, but uh, he left, you know, he was already at the, at the practice, whatever. And so anyways, um, bell rings or not bell rings. We, um, it's like 4:45. I kind of look up my clock. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get up. You know, I roll over, I see snow on the ground. About five o'clock, I hear a knock on my door. You know, I'm still half asleep. You know, what's going on? My coach comes in, our strength coach comes in and pulls me out of bed and said, Hey, you're running to practice. You know, wow. <laughs> so he made me walk to practice in the snow, you know, and everybody's in the gym stretching and he's like, Ah, Texans, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyways, no, no, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm definitely more than personal. I like getting up, attacking the day, like getting the, off to a good start. Um, just kind of getting myself, have my own me time for a little bit there. And because as soon as I, you know, leave home, and go to school, you know, it's all about work and business and all that type of stuff. And then I leave school and go back home. You know, I have four kids under 11. They're all jumping on me ready there's, for that. There's no such thing as me time when you exactly. get home after school. Exactly. I, I get that. Um, I love the fact that you use the word purpose yes. because I, I think I think most coaches, most, mm-hmm. I mean, a high percentage, yes, they have a purpose for why they're doing it. It's not just wins. It's to influence and to be a part of these young, young men, women, their lives. Yeah. But I, I think that's what we talk about with our players a lot, which is whatever yeah. they choose to do in their life, for them to feel a sense of purpose with it. Because yeah. you're right on the money. Uh, purpose will allow you to get up in the morning excited about the day. Purpose yes. will allow you to have – it'll give you staying power when, 100%. man, things just get tough. So uh, I, I love that. I, I think that's a great mm-hmm. way to talk about uh, starting off your day. 100%. 100%, yeah. And I think that's the uh... – you know, my my father, he was a um, he was a fireman for 33 years. He was in the military and everything. And so I kind of grew up in that environment. But, um, you know, he he's always told me and kind of instilled in me that, you know, your career is what you're paid for. But, you know, your calling and your purpose is what you're made for. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so for me, um, kind of knowing that and kind of having that, you know, drilled into me as a youngster and everything, um, I took that path. Initially, I started being a fireman and then it just wasn't like I said, purpose-driven in a sense, you know, and so I made the switch to education nine years ago, and I mean, I couldn't be happier, you know, I mean, I, I tell people all the time, I would do this for free if I didn't have to, you know, pay a mortgage and take care of the family, <laughs> but no, I, I love exactly, I love it. Don't doing, tell you know, your so. bosses that, they'll, exactly. they'll, they'll take you, oh, oh, really? Oh, oh really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's funny, similar, kind of similar feelings, uh, before I figured out that coaching was, I don't know if you're the same way, but you know, in, in, I had some moments in junior high where now I look back and I see, okay, maybe coaching was in my future, but I had coaches tell me that I would be a, a, a make a good coach. And yeah. I think probably a lot of coaches that played had that, but I never, I never wanted to do it. And I thought actually when I kind of got back home from playing and I thought about doing the fireman thing and it was about yeah. the time that <laughs> ladder 49 came out. Oh, wow. Yeah. The book. <laughs> and I watched, well, the movie, I watched the, I watched okay. the movie and, and one of the scenes, I mean, the, the, and they're in the fire and something happens to them and it just changes a lot. And I thought, okay, I need to, yeah. I need to figure something else out. <laughs> yeah. But, but man, that's incredible. 33 yeah. years, your dad doing that. And, I mean, I can definitely see how that rubs off on you because, oh, yeah, helping others and sacrificing like those, those right. guys do. Talk about purpose, man. Oh, no, that's that's the whole I mean, it's just the servant's mentality. You know, I mean, that's the the big thing. And I mean, a couple of things that, you know, even going to a new place and then we'll talk about that later on. But like that's the big thing that um, when you're transitioning from a place you've been at nine years to going to a new place um, in any walk of life, really, you start out by serving, you know, and that's all and that's an everyday thing, you know, and so. 
knowing that I had that, you know, and still growing up, you know, seeing my dad go serve others, you know, and I mean, even off the clock, he was doing things, you know, why that, you know, that was huge for me. And so um, that would be, that would be the big thing to emulate. And when you have a purpose and your purpose is, you know, um, driving everything you're going to do, then you're going to be more equipped and more involved when it comes to serving and doing things for other people. You know, it becomes less about you and more about like what you're called to do, you know? Mm. And so that's exactly what, um, you know, I'm excited to be doing. So. Where do you, where do you get your workout at? So I go to 24 hour fitness right now. Nice. Um, yeah, I go there, but I mean, sometimes like when it was COVID, I was at the, at home, you know, doing stuff and then yeah. I had my kids out there doing it, everything too. So we're, we're a sports family. We like to get out there and get stuff, but when it was shut down, that was, that was tough. So I had to kind of be more, you know, more selective and more kind creative, of more, more creative, creative. Too, especially, especially. Yeah. And I just, I'm always curious to see where guys yeah. are, are working out. I have a 24 hour fitness uh, membership myself, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you were a pretty good player. I mean, obviously, yeah. you mentioned playing at College of the Ozarks, but yeah. uh, ha- had a great career, won a national yeah. championship. Yes, has yeah. has that type of so I've I've told our guys that yes, we're lifting for basketball right now and to mm-hmm. get stronger and everything, but this is also a life skill. Like the goal is for them to stay active for their exactly. entire lives. Like my weight will fluctuate, but it never gets like so far that ah, uh, yeah. I can I can I can pull, I can rein it back in. How important has that been for you and, and maybe coaching and how you show up every day? Oh, huge. Because um, I, I do think that, like, um, there's a sense of um, being able to model and practice what you preach in a sense, yeah. you know. And so, I mean, like, my goal always has been, like, and I'm 38 years old right now. You know, I'll be 39 in June. Is that okay? Every every year on my birthday, I'm going to try to dunk. So, to see if I can still do that, you know. And then um, just to kind of give the kids a sense of, like, you know, um, something they can see and something, something tangible they can hold on to in a sense, you know? And mm-hmm. so for me, it's like, if I can tell you guys and say, Hey, listen, fellas, I want you guys to get up with a purpose. I want you guys to serve. I like you guys to make sure that, you know, um, you're doing something outside yourself and also keep yourself well-equipped, you know, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, then I have to make sure I'm doing the same thing as well, you know? So ideally, um, yeah. And that's part of the workout too. I mean, just to make sure I just feel better, you know, my body feels so much, um, more equipped to handle things. And, and as in college, I mean, coach, I gained 35 pounds in college because of the weight room, you know? And so I mean, I got there as a skinny freshman that caused the Ozarks and I was like 185 pounds. And then I graduated, I was six, four, two twenty, And I felt just better, you know, yeah. and just felt more equipped to handle everything on the court. And then just felt more better about life. I felt more positive, you know, it just, it just really increased my self-concept a lot. So. <laughs> I think you can see the difference between the way that maybe like football players attack the weight room, that mentality, yeah. even baseball players. Like I'm in yeah. the weight room sometimes when our baseball team is, they just get after it. I'm I'm pleased with yeah. where I think our weight room culture yeah. is going at faith, but you and I both know that initially majority of basketball players, majority are resistant and don't see the value in the weight room. Right. What are, what are some things that you've done besides modeling yourself to maybe improve that, like the weight room culture in your program? Yeah. So we, uh, number one, we try to tell them that, I mean, we have an egoless pro- program all the way around. So everything's egoless. So egoless on the court, egoless in the community and then egoless in the weight room, you know? So we try to tell the guys like the, the most um, tangible model of success you can see is when you're lifting weights and you're seeing like, okay, I have a hundred on the bar. That's my max. That's the most I can get at that point. Well, you look up two, three, four weeks later, you know, you're at 105 or you're at 110, you know. And so things that guys kind of see tangibly like that really helps uh, motivate them and really equip them to kind of want to get after it and everything. Um, I remember four years ago we were playing somebody. I think our freshman team was playing uh, um, school. And, like, we saw our freshman. We saw their freshman. And uh, my assistant coach, who's, like, my best friend, he and I are sitting next to each other, like, our freshmen don't look like them. We need to do something. We need to figure this out, you know. (laughs) Um, And so – and we lifted weights, you know, but it wasn't as intentional, you know. So the intentionality behind it um, from that point on has really helped our players, not just mentally but physically. And they really – you know, I've seen just the the gains. And it's just cool cool to see that environment, you know. We try to get as hype about them, you know, lifting weights as we are about them taking the charge or we are about them getting on the floor or making the three or put back dunk. You know, we try to make the weight room as exciting, sometimes even more exciting than the stuff we do on the court just because um, that's something, like you said, it's kind of foreign to basketball players. It's kind of like, ah, I don't want to mess up my shot. But then we're like, okay, well, we're showing videos of Michael Jordan lifting weights with Tim Grover. We're showing videos of Steph Curry how he was as a, you know, initially coming into the league and how he is now, like the weight room does help just a matter of like attacking it like you attack anything else. Yeah. That's really good. Kenny Bourne, I was got to talk with him and 
he he was uh, going over some defensive things, and, yeah. and I asked him like, "What's the what's the number one way to kind of increase your defensive culture? You know, the pride that players take." He said, "Number yeah. one thing is weight room." He's like, "If you get them bought in there, it completely translates to the tenacity, the toughness, how they play on the defensive end." Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I mean, it's a, it's a it's just one of those things where like if you feel like you can like move your push your body past the point to where like you even thought you could, then defensively, you know, like you said, I mean, you're more equipped to mentally to handle things like that. Like, okay, I'll, I'll take that charge on that guy who may jump out the gym. You know, I might this guy and I are about to have a 50-50 ball collision. Like, am I going to win that? Well, I've won in the weight room. Maybe I can win over here. You know, we do toughness things and stuff to kind of facilitate that as well. But like. Yeah, I 100% agree with everything you just said about that. The Jamoti Podcast is powered by Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for high-quality, innovative scoring tables and LED video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. This is super unique, uh, the timing yeah. of our talk, because yeah. just recently getting the Melissa job, I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're leaving a school that you've said you're at nine years as the head coach, but how long overall? Were you there just nine? So I was there nine total. I was six years head coach. Okay. I've been here six years as head coach. Yeah, yeah so, but uh, I mean, a decade, you know, so like yeah. you, you're, you're a part of an established culture. Yes, and then now you're taking over a program where obviously if people don't know, like Melissa basketball like, like in the past, they've done some amazing things. I'm thinking of Hondo Webb and yeah, all those yeah, guys that yeah. used to play legacy coach. Legacy, legacy. legacy. They, yeah, they've legacy. got yes, they've got a great basketball legacy. So you're coming in with some of the things that you like. How does the culture drive performance in a program? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, so it's funny because if you asked me this question when I first started being a head coach six, seven years ago, whatever, um, I would say that, you know, you have talent and you have culture. And, you know, you have to have both in order to be successful. You know, if your talent is really good, your culture is really bad, you might win some games, but you're not going to win those tough games, you know. Let's flip it. If the culture is really good and your talent's really, really bad, yeah, you're going to be have a great culture, you know, but, like, even some mm-hmm. games you play, you're not going to win as much. Um, when I use this past season we just had as an example, like, we – I've had teams that are way more talented overall, you know, and players know that. I tell them all the time, you know. But at the same time, though, um, because the culture was so firm with these guys and so strong with them – that we won a lot of close games against teams that, you know, people looking at us getting off the bus, looking at us on paper, you wouldn't have thought we would have won, you know. Um, and so when I look at things like that, you know, that's the first thing you pour into, you know. Yes, you're going to – kids are going to do skills. You can get them to do skills, shoot shots, do drills that you want them to do and everything. But it's really about, like, what can I do to, you know, benefit the whole, you know. And mm-hmm. so the culture piece is really just trying to make sure that – um, and I know you didn't ask me about pillars, but I've, I mean, four pillars for me is just like number one, being extremely dependable. You know, the second one is being authentic. Um, the third one is being tough, you know, and together. And, and that's the big thing. And so um, and the key phrase we say is everybody eats. So EAT, extremely dependable, authentic and together, you know. And so when that comes um, into play, you know, when you're extremely dependable, everything that we talk about kind of goes back to that culture. You know, um, if you don't show up to practice on time, well, you weren't dependable. So how can I depend on you to be on help side when I'm getting blown past? You know, um, I can't depend on you to get the shots in that you need to get, you know. And so things like that drive it. Um, authenticity piece, like I talked about, you know, I mean, if you can't be real with me, then I can't be real with you. And so mm. as a coach, you want to model that by being transparent. You know, I talked to him about, you know, um, me having, you know, a strong belief in Christ. I talked to him about me having a, um, you know, flaws as a man, you know, as a person, as a husband, as a father, you know, so more I think and transparent you can be, it really kind of drives that too. And then being together, you know, is just showing them you're a person more so than a basketball coach. You know, I don't want them to look at me as Coach Fryer, the coach. I want them to look at me as you know, Coach Fryer, the person, you know, I'm a basketball coach as far as that's secondary to me being a person first. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think culture is so big on driving that performance because like when you get them to really, you know, build that relationship up and then get them to really like, you know, respond to everything you're doing, then those results will come after that. So yeah, I'm all in for, I mean, building that culture up. <laughs> yeah, th- that's a really good point. You you said early on about like maybe when we're starting out, you know, when yeah. we're younger coaches, I I don't know what the percentage is, but it's probably yeah. like 
90% we focus on X's and O's and skill yeah. work, yes. 10% of how they feel or, or how, how we show up or what the standards yeah. are. Yes. Because the idea is, well, if I can just make them good, then we can focus on those other things. But you're, you're so right on the money. Like they go hand in hand because yeah. they're never going to become as skilled or as good as they could be if Correct. the culture is not where it needs to be. Correct. So I, I think, I think if I could go back and do it over again, Starting, starting um, as a younger coach, it would be valuing the relationship side and the culture side with players more 100%, than the skill. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think that's what um, you know. Looking back on everything, we started to. I told you about the weight room story and things like that. We started really pouring to the culture piece of it. You know, it seemed like it was amazing how much the skills you know grew exponentially. You know what yeah. I mean? And like. And that's the great thing about it is because like when they really see it, you care about that and those little things like that and really, um, you know, pour into that more so than the X's and O's, then like they'll respond to the X's and O's after you build that relationship, you know, and do all that type of stuff. But like you have to really pour into that culture piece first. And like you said, as a young coach, I mean, we're like, oh, X's and O's, I have to run this offense and do this and do that. And then you get in the game and it's a dogfight. Well, like, you know, we were getting like, I mean – a high play, we call it a high play, like where a kid takes a charge or we get three stops in a row. And I'm looking down my bench and the bench is just like, okay, it's like a golf clap. Golf clap. Like, <laughs> basketball, you know? And so yeah. we had to really do put things in place to where like, hey, we're going to practice this and model this to where like kids are, I mean, regardless of what the score is, we're going to be up cheering and doing things and kind of building that culture up, you know, and it just brings more juice and life to your program. So. Coach, this isn't a trick question, yeah. but I, I'm going to ask it and I'm going to try not to lead you. Is sure. your is your culture ever set and f- like finished to where we're not we don't really have to address it or work on it anymore? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think it's fluid. I think culture is always evolving and always changing because if you don't, I heard a quote. I can't remember what the quote was. It was something I was reading, but I think if you don't, um, if you if you don't like drive your culture. You know, if you don't drive that, you know, then, you know, it's like a it's like a car with no steering wheel. Yeah. Yeah. You have everything there, but like you don't know which way it's going to go. You know, so you always have to make sure you're being intentional about driving that culture in the direction you want to go. Um, And culture, people say culture and they always think of like positive, but like culture also can be negative, too. You know, so you want to make sure that your culture is breeding in the direction, like I said, you want to go and breeding that positivity. It's something every day you have to make sure you do, you know, just like we talked about the daily habits. I mean, culture's got to be a daily habit. Yeah, awesome. that's good. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Like like the, the phrase you have to fight for your culture has become yes. so Got to. cliche now and, and people will almost like roll their eye, but it's so true. Like yes, it's still true. And I, I'm thinking back, I'm thinking to a game this last year with like super proud of the 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 team we had this season, mm-hmm. not because of where we finished or and we had some ups and downs throughout, especially with some injuries, but yeah. Man, they were great. The seniors, especially, great ambassadors for our culture. Oh, yeah. They, 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 they really. I mean, it was just such a joy to yeah. be with them every day. But yeah. there were moments, little moments, where, like right. you said, we're we're in a game and we're we're beating a team that's not that. They're just they're kind of inferior in a lot of yeah. ways, and we're doing good things. But you look down and you just you either see this or yeah. like a blank stare, and that's yes. where it's hard. Like it's hard as a coach because. We're already doing the thing that almost everybody, most people say is most important, which is we're exactly. winning. But it's it's there's more to it than that. And those moments, in my opinion, are are moments of uh, where slippage happens. Oh, yeah. So, but just saying yeah. intentional and to keep fighting and to not you almost have to not care about being annoying with your players, no, like it, because those moments are really important. Agreed. No, and like I mean, just little things. I think the big thing is is that. Um, we talk about being egoless and stuff like that. Just getting yourself like removing like any type of like insecurity or doubt yeah. or any of that stuff, just setting it by the wayside, you know, and going into um, doing what's best for the program as a whole. Like this year, I mean, it's the first time you have ever done this. I'm like, you know what? Like trying to add some juice to practice. So myself and one of our assistant coaches, like, you know, we're going to put a practice jersey on and show them like us as old men, we're going to like dress out. So I have my little, like my little spandex on, I had the old practice shorts on. I walked in the gym, you know, <laughs> like coach looks like a football player. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. We did like a little war drill, we called our charge drill to start practice off. But like things like that, not just that, but just anything you can kind of do to 
show the kids you're a human first, you know, and it's fun. You want to enjoy it. And so um, it doesn't have to all be negative. doesn't have to all be rigid. You know, it can be things to show um, the human side and show that like we're in this because it's fun. I mean, yes, yeah. basketball is trying to win, trying to develop people, but like, it's also a sport that's fun. So we should enjoy it, you know? And so letting your guard down being able to do that type of stuff is huge. Coach 39 isn't that young. You're not, <laughs> you're not old yet. I'm 41. So I've got, but the fact that you can do that, like get out there and still practice, like that's yeah. really impressive, man. Uh, <laughs> there, I, I just, I would thought to myself, if I would do that, uh, it, it, how quickly would I lose? Cause there's yeah. a little bit of, since I don't like shoot a lot with them yeah. or don't play yeah. a lot, there's a little yeah. mystery. Like they think, man, can't coach Saman like could, no. could he really play? I would lose the I would lose the credibility or injure myself super quick. So impressive that you can do that, man. That's funny though. Well, it's funny because like, like I said, I do a, a drill. I won't do the whole practice. But I'll do a drill. <laughs> I yeah, used I to drill. I, yeah. I used to demonstrate ball handling for years. I mean, yeah. at, at McKinney yeah. High School, what Coach Watson. Yes, I feel like that's why he hired me. Partly was yeah. I could really <laughs> demonstrate some ball handling drills, and now yeah. I can demonstrate five seconds. I can yeah. go super hard and fast for five, yeah. yeah. but then I'll stop. They don't know that I'm about to lose the ball or like <laughs> I'm tired. So I can, I can give them five good seconds. This is great. This is great. Cause I'm the same, same exact way. You know, I, I gave them, gave them one drill then. I mean, over the course of this senior class, I mean, they've been around, you know, since their freshman year, I think I'll probably, they probably see me shoot the ball maybe four or five times. Like in this year, one time we had, we had a very short group, you know, or very small group, small, small bench and everything. We had like three guys hurt. So somebody had jump in for us to do our, you know, our war drill, which is shell, whatever. So we're doing that. And like, I need another body. I'm like, well, I'll play offense. I'm not going to play defense. So <laughs> I get in there and I ended up going like three for four. And they're like, what? And so I'm like, okay, that was, that was a good day. So I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. Because <laughs> tomorrow well I, won't, I won't make a shot. So <laughs> you got to know when to retire. Like, you, you got to know. Retire. Like, don't be the guy that plays just one more season, one more. Yeah. Um, that's good. So confidence is something that, I mean, the more and more that I do this, the more and more that I get to talk to coaches, like I realize yeah. that confidence is important for us to believe yeah. in ourselves, believe in our program, believe in our players, yeah. but confidence with these. And I don't think it's just because of today's player of how yeah. aware they are of what everybody else is doing, but man, confidence, it might be that confidence is really hard for players to hold on to. Oh, yeah. I feel oh, yeah. like. And what are some things that you do to to help build it in your players? Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Um, I think initially, number one is finding out who they are, you know, as people. Um, you know, I think as a, as a coach sometimes, and I've had great coaches. I've had coaches that, I mean, I've had pretty much all great coaches, but I've had some that I felt more confident playing with than others, I'll put it that way. Um, and so, you know, the coaches I didn't feel as confident playing for, you know, there seemed to be some type of wall up, you know, and like, at the end of the day, you know, as a coach, I feel like we're more so bridge builders than wall builders, you know. So let's try to build that bridge and really try to pour into the relationship piece of it, you know. And the reason why um, I think confidence is so important, too, is that, like, you really need to see who they are outside of, you know, basketball. I think yeah. that's the number one piece of building that confidence up. Because if I look at you as just, you know, player X, the basketball player, then – it seems like to be a transactional relationship, you know, like you're doing this for me, I'm doing this for you. You know, it's, it's just like going to the grocery store and, you know, buying some milk. Okay. I gave the cashier some money and she gives me the milk back. We both, you know, got what we wanted, you know, when it comes to like a um, relationship building, you know, and like a knowing you outside of the game, it's more like a transformational relationship. We're like, I'm pouring into you, you're pouring into me. We're both growing together. You know what I mean? And so like, it's at least one of those situations where everybody has a chance to win because you're actually building that relationship up like that. So, um, but yeah, find, building a relationship up initially, knowing them outside of the sport. Um, and then when you get on the court, you know, really trying to breed that positivity in some way, shape, form, fashion, you know, and um, really having a checks and balances system when it comes to that too, because we all, we're all human. We have days sometimes where we're not on our A game, you know, so having a, a coach or another person beside you to say like, hey coach, like bring it down a little bit. Even players, this year I had players that would say like, and then you go easy on him. He's just a freshman, you know, things like that. So yeah. things like that to really hold you accountable to what you're doing, you know. But, I mean, again, I mean, it's really just seeing them outside of basketball, building those bridges, making sure the relationship is transformational like that. And then uh, at the same time, though, um, being honest, being authentic. I mean, you have to be able to um, breathe that confidence by authenticity because, like, 
anytime I didn't have the confidence to do what I wanted to do as a player, um, even as a person, I felt like, again, with the wall up, you're really not really being your true self. Whereas mm -hmm. like when you have that bridge and that connectedness, you can be as authentic as you want to be. And so that lets him know that like, yes, you may not be the shooter that, you know, you know, you may want to be or that, you know, even we want you to be. But at the same time, though, we're on the same page. I'm being real with you. And so that it gives you the confidence to play within yourself and play with the skill set that uh, we both had a discussion about. So, I mean, yeah, I'm with all that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really good. I think I think sometimes coaches and players, when they hear that word confidence, they almost think of they think of it in, in, almost in different arenas. Yes. Um, like I played, I played my first college coach. We, he put confidence, confidence in us because we were so prepared. Okay. Like we yes. knew the opponent, we knew yes. his expectations. We were yeah. organized. And I think because of that, that might be where his confidence building ended where mm. like I, you should be confident because we are prepared. That's yes. definitely a part of it. But yes. then I knew for a fact that if I, when I got subbed in, if I made my first shot or if I right. didn't turn it over, if I did something positive, then I may play a ton. But right. the opposite is true. If I miss right. my first shot, right. then so the amount of uh, added pressure, mm. um, maybe of the lack of confidence that I had going, I was playing more out of fear. Fear yes, of making mistakes, fear Absolutely. of looking over at the bench and not knowing. And I think that's where, okay, we need to make sure that players understand where their confidence comes from. It doesn't exactly. come from us. It comes from the preparation and then what they think about. But then we have to acknowledge 100%. the environment that we create that allows yeah. for confidence to flourish, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that's where, like, when you have the um, – you have different ways of, of – of, um, kind of showing them again, just being the authentic thing, like knowing thyself and knowing who you are, you know, and we'll do things. I mean, even outside in the spring, this time of year, you know, um, you know, especially when I get over to the new place, but uh, you know, we usually do things in the spring where we do like a um, wisdom Wednesday, you know, and wisdom Wednesday is like some type of um, either character building curriculum or some type of thing where we kind of speak life into the kids, you know, it could be something as small as, um, you know, Hey, these are our two words for the day, or it could be something as big as, you know, sharing our testimony with them, sharing an experience we had, whatever. And so I do think that like, when you know thyself, you know, it's one of the best skills people can have, like knowing who you are and knowing who you're not, you know? Um, and the biggest thing too, with that is also in another level of that is really knowing the people around you too, you know? And so mm. um, it's all about the conversations you have. It's all about being able to, um, you know, again, like break those walls down, you know, and kind of really pour into people, you know, and it gets kind of ugly at first sometimes because, you know, you may not want to know all the skeletons I have. You may not want to know everything that I have um, that I'm struggling with because you might, you know, initially you might think that like that person may look at you differently, you know, but um, all in all, though, I feel like, you know, if you break it down a little bit and you can build it back up, you know, to where you guys have that synergy, you know, and that's what we're after. So, like you said, I mean, the confidence can come from uh, preparation and it does come from preparation as well. When you have that preparation mixed with, you know, the added pieces like my coach knows I can do this. He has confidence in me to, to um, perform at this level. Then it takes it up a different level, you know, and we've had teams and we played against teams that are very, very prepared. But like we can see things during games and see kind of tendencies that like, OK, yeah, he's prepared. But like we can take him completely out of his game just by face guarding him for two possessions or something like that, you know, yeah. just something small, you know. And like those are things that you have to make sure you're building from within. Um, and making sure the kids understand that, like, you know, I'm just not confident in you because your prep preparation, I'm confident in you as well because of your actual skill set and things you provide for us. So, but being real, man, that's what, that's what brings that confidence up, being, being real, being authentic. Coaches, the Jamoti Podcast is powered by Shoot360. The future of basketball has arrived in Dallas-Fort Worth. Shoot360 combines the latest sports technology with the fundamentals of basketball skill development. The result is a one-of-a-kind video game-like basketball program designed to improve your shooting, dribbling, and passing. Visit Shoot360DFW.com to learn more and register for your free one-hour workout evaluation. Shoot360, the future of basketball is here. I have followed you for a little while on social media, yeah. and that's kind of where this connection really came from. Yeah. But, but then also appreciating the way that your program uh, uses it to, to celebrate players, to yeah. kind of let 
outsiders like us in and see a little bit of your culture and what you're doing. So in what ways do do you use social media to enhance your program? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's just one of the signs of the times you have to, you have to kind of get on the wave, you know, and I, it's funny because, um, you know, back when I mean, I graduated high school in 02, you know, there was no social media. There was none of that. You know, it was all hearsay, you know, and uh, because of social media, too, you know, you can you can use it. You know, you can use social media or social media can use you. I put it that way, you know. And so um, we really want to try to promote the kids we have, you know, and we're not going to give them anything. We're not going to say anything that's false. We're not going to, you know, say, hey, you're you should be a Duke commit when you're really not, you know, but at the same time. Five though, star. Yeah, you're a five star. <laughs> but, you're not, you know? but we are going to, again, with the authenticity piece, we are going to say, like, you know, these kids have earned the right and um, to be highlighted and everything, you know, and they want to see that. I really do think, too, that also adds a relationship and trust building piece for us, too, because when they see we're not just supporting them, you know, in high school basketball, we're supporting them in AAU. I'm supporting them when they're, you know, playing for their little showcase things that they do. Um, and putting that out there, it really gives the parents, the community, and also, like you said, um, people that just be or passers by, like, oh, what's going on over there? They have some good things going on. They have some players that are doing some things and uh, gives them that exposure, you know. Um, you know, we look at the transfer portal and things like that. I mean, there are so yeah. many kids that are, you know, trying to find a place to go. And these high school kids are getting looked at like, okay, when's it my turn to be looked at, you know? So anything I can do to try to promote them and give them the love and the support they need, even kids that maybe not have played as much for us this season, like you're still part of the family. You know, I'm still trying to give you the promotion you need because of, you know, it just takes one coach to take a chance on, you know, and that one coach can change your whole life. And I mean, for me personally, it happened to me, you know, so I do think that, um, you know, giving them the chance and the opportunity to do something like that would be great. So we're all about social media, um, really about showing people, letting, like you say, outsiders into the program and seeing what goes on. Um, also giving parents a chance to show, see that, like, you know, it's not all about, you know, the wins and losses about us, like showing your, your son that, you know, there's another way of doing things and you can be seen by other people too. So it really just helps everything out that way. Yeah. If you don't mind sharing what coach changed your life and how? Oh my goodness. Um, whew. So my college coach, coach Steve Shepard. Um, so I was committed to Naval Academy. I was actually going to oh, go wow. there. Um, and that was my, that was my spot. Um, so my senior year, and this is, I mean, I'm glad you asked this. This is part of my big story, but one of the reasons why I coach now, actually my senior year of high school, uh, I got in some trouble. You know, I was a, um, good high school player, you know, all region, area, whatever that stuff is in Dallas. And at the biggest high school in Texas, had a lot of things going on. Um, my senior year, though, um, we had off-campus lunch. You know, I skipped class and decided not to show up to that next class. Well, we had a test that day, and it got zero on the test, so I was ineligible, you know. Uh, this is my senior year after a great wow. sophomore, junior year, all that stuff. So my last six games of my senior year, I couldn't even play, you mm-hmm. know. Didn't play at all. Um, and so – the Naval Academy was like, okay, it's a commitment. It's not a signing, you know, so you have to, um, we can pull that anytime. So they pulled it, you know? And so I was kind of scrambling around for places to go. And my father, who was in army war college at the time, um, because like I told you the military fire department thing, he met a professor at college, of the Ozarks. And he's like, Hey, it's not, you know, Naval Academy. It's not the Patriot league and everything, but we play good basketball down here. We have a lot of guys that, you know, um, come in and do things and they, you know, can perform really well and you have the same level essentially of competition you'd want. Plus we're all basketball crazy in Southwest Missouri. I'm like, okay, well, I'm from Dallas. I don't know, but I'll take a visit. So um, coach, I kid you not, I take a visit um, June 1st on my birthday, you know, my, my 18th birthday, take a visit there. And um, I'm like, you know what? Like, I feel like this is where I need to be. And coach Shepard, he's the head coach there. He's like, look, um, I can't promise you anything. I can promise you is that when you leave here, you're going to, number one, work hard. Number two, you're going to be able to serve others. And number three, you're going to go from a boy to a man. And you're, you'll be able to, um, you know, not want for anything when it comes to being able to take care of a family and be a good citizen. And so um, I didn't think that at the time when I was going through it sometimes because there were some rocky times. But, like, he was all those things. He was authentic with me. And he kind of evolved as a coach, too, because, like, our fr- my freshman year, I was like, coach, like, let me shoot the ball. Let me do this. And he's like, no, let's develop you into that, you know. And he really, like – because of his authenticity piece, because of his like morals and values, because he was just real with us. He opened his home up and did things like that. I was like, you know what? This is the type of like environment I want to try to create for my players and everything too. So, I mean, he changed my life completely because I would have been trying to go to Juco and had a totally different path and never been my true self. And I got to CFO and I like was able to spread my wings, you know? So 
it was a really great experience for me. He's a really great person. So I'm definitely thankful for all that. So thank you for sharing that. I think yes, sometimes sir. as we get older, we start to look back at ourselves and, and and make who we were as high school, college kids, or in our twenties, make our ourselves sound better than oh, yeah. we really oh, were. Yeah, and I think yeah, yeah. it like you go back to your authenticity piece. Yeah. Um, I think authenticity is inspiring. Yes. And so like it, it, people, players, parents, I think they can smell fake um, a mile away. And so 100%. when you, uh, what it was kind of funny, it's uh, listening to a random pastor on a, uh, on a podcast and he was actually the guest at the, at the church that I used to go to. So it wasn't, it was kind of a, just that random moment listening well, and he stopped the, the talk and he said, we need to stop giving edited testimonies and mm. testimonies. I mean, yeah, that's usually that's tough, right? That's usually, <laughs> it's usually used with your Smart. faith, but our yeah. testimonies, testimonies are our stories. It's how that's we got that. to this point and, and what helped us or what hurt yeah. us or and anyway, but I think it's so easy for players, for coaches, for to use edited testimonies to make ourselves yes. try to look and sound really good. Yes. And I think it's important because not only is it great to show how we got here and yeah. what we, what we've come from, but just to let other people know that that might be struggling in the moment that man, look like, listen, if I can be a grapevine faith Christian school, anybody can, you know, like that's how I feel. No, you're hundred percent right. I mean, I look at even me getting to Liberty. Like, I mean, I, uh, you know, when I started the fire department and everything, I was doing that plus kind of trying to do some youth basketball stuff and always, you know, I wanted to be at a high school, you know, I kind of, I met my wife and like, I told her, I was like, I want to run a program and, you know, develop kids all the way up. And that's when we, before I even started doing any of that stuff. And so go to the fire department and everything, worked there for five years. Great time. I was in Dallas, you know, I saw all types of stuff, you know, and, I mean, you kind of were a servant, you know, you kind of just did everything you could do and rode the ambulance, everything fought fires, love the guys I work with, ex-athletes, it was awesome, you know, but um, my wife is like, she's like, look, you you feel like you keep saying that, like, that's not what you're here for, so, you know, let's step out on faith and make a move, you know, and so there were four schools that had openings, and Liberty was the first school that, um, in Frisco, that called me, and I ended up working for a coach that, um, you know, he's like, hey, you know, you have some basketball background, why don't you come here and help, and so, I just served the team for a year. I didn't even get paid. I was just here nice. doing all the grunt work and did all that stuff. And then was able to the next year, you know, there were no spots open on his staff. And the next year, the JV coach decided to go do something else. And the year after that, the varsity assistant decided to do something else. And then the year after that, the head coach decided to do something else. So I kind of got thrust in this position and like, that's all, that's all God's doing. That's all, you know, faith. That's all part of the testimony, like you said, you know, and so, um, I try to tell people all the time, you know, like you feel like you may be, you may feel like you're going through a storm in the moment. You may feel like, you know, it's just part of it. Um, you're, you're going through the thick of it, you know, you're never going to make it out, you know? And like, I mean, as an authentic person, like we all have that and it happens. And then you look up and you're like, man, I couldn't be in a happier place in a better place because of that, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, definitely feeling exactly what you said about that. It's the same thing. So <laughs> four kids, what yeah. are the ages? Oh, goodness. Um, 11, 10, 7, and 4. <laughs> you're in it, man. You're, you're yeah. right in the middle right of it. So, of it. Right in the middle of it. I think balancing coaching and family is hard yes. at any stage of life. Like my Ooh. wife and I, we've got a almost 17-year-old and yeah. a 15-year-old. So like okay. the, I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, obviously <laughs> don't. I'm not going to push them out of the house or anything, but right, like, right, right. but like it's, it, you know, they are, they're great boys and they're, they're almost through. And then, and then Jan and I are going to start at, at this, yeah, I'll be 43 okay. as an empty nest. I don't want to make you feel bad or anything, you know, no, cause okay. you, you've got a ways to go, but, yeah, uh, it, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're going to have to also, we're still going to have to balance it. Yes. You know, and, and so, but in your position, I would imagine there's a lot of coaches in their 20s and 30s, and maybe 40s, that are that have young kids still at home that you got to give so much time and attention to. But yet, I mean, you're you're building a program and you're yeah. so involved in that. So how do you balance those two things? Whew, man, uh, it's it's a ever to everyday thing. It's everyday process and it takes a whole lot of intentionality. Um, I think the main thing is, you know, when it comes to, when you look at pillars and look at like ways you want to live, I mean, it, it should translate in everything in your life, you know? And mm -hmm. so 
Um, again, I mean, the, when I talk about things we do as far as dependability, like they need to depend on the fact that like, you know, above everything, daddy loves them. You know, they're, I'm a husband first, you know, I'm a father, you know, I'm somebody that's going to be before I do anything else, I'm that, you know. And so understanding that, you know, yes, I have a purpose. Yes, I have things that I feel like I was specifically called here and brought here to do. But at the same time, though, you know, that love and care has to be shown there. So really being intentional about the time you spend with each one. And like all four of my kids are very much into sports. Um, they're they're into, um, you know, fine arts. I mean, a lot of stuff. So there are kids that, you know, need time, you know. And at the same time, though, it's really just being transparent, authentic with them. Like, you know, hey, this is what we have going on. I mean, if you saw my Google calendar, my wife creates because I don't create it because I'm not that type of person. But you follow it, though. I follow it to the T. I mean, <laughs> every single day, uh, you know, has stuff going on. But really trying to take personal time to invest in every person, you know, invest in my wife. I'm investing, you know, each kid and their specific interests, you know, and really trying to build that and grow that. Um, and that's, I mean, a big reason for me, you know, going to a place like Melissa where it's a one high school town, because right now we're in two different districts. My kids are in Prosper. We live in Prosper and I'm in Frisco, obviously working. So different schedules, different districts, different breaks, different holidays, um, yeah. different spring breaks, different Christmas breaks. I mean, well, that's tough. Yeah. yeah, it was, it's been tough, you know, and so being under one umbrella and being part of that whole culture, like we're all going to be Cardinals. We're all excited to do it. Kids are excited to go to schools there and kind of go up through the pipeline and everything. So, I mean, that's, that's one of those things where you want to try to, you know, whenever you're making a decision as a, as a coach and as a husband, um, you know, I'm thinking about my family first, like what is best for them, you know, and everything else after that, you know, I can, I know what I want to do. I know what I have selfishly, but like I have five of their mouths to feed, I have to figure out. So um, really just trying to be intentional about that time, spending that time with them um, and pouring into their essential needs that they have specifically, you know, and as a guy and as a dad, and as a coach too, really, I mean, we try to figure out the needs of your players, the same thing with your kids, you know, like yeah. what does my four-year-old need that my 10-year-old son may not need? And how do I pour into that more so than, you know, what the other child may need and really trying to find that specifically and kind of coach them up and love them up as you can. So, Let me ask you this. Do you have, do you have any hobbies? I do. I do. So I'm a, a music minor. All right. Okay. So I uh, play piano, uh, classically trained piano. I've been playing for 34 years now. Um, I sang in a restaurant in Branson when I was in college. So that's kind of, yeah, <laughs> that's the hobby. But <laughs> so Man, that, so. yeah. you, you could do it all. You work yeah, yeah, out. You, you busy, have yeah. four kids. You can yeah. play instruments and sing. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my thing, man. But uh, no, we. Uh, I mean, I have a, I have a 120 pound German Shepherd that I walk around. So he's like, yeah, he's a he's a beast. And so, I mean, just doing stuff with him. Uh, Coach, you know, if you if you so I'm a small dog person. Yeah. I have two. Oh, no, I have two sheep. <laughs> two Shih Tzus. They're okay. each 10 pounds. They're ferocious. Yeah. They think. Yeah. But if you were walking around the neighborhood and <laughs> I was. Yeah. I don't even know if you talk to me. Yeah, yeah. You probably think, wow, like that is the least manliest guy. I, so I, That's awesome. I mean, but no, That's I awesome. asked that question because I've, yeah. I've just, I've kind of noticed that with a lot of coaches, yeah. I mean, you and I have the same amount of time every day, right? You know, and and we both give so much to, uh, to the programs and to our players but then we have to give it to our, our families as well. And then it's just hard. It's hard to have, like, yes. I'm, I'm always amazed. And I'm not saying that like, uh, you know, you, that fact that you can, you can play instruments, you like music yeah. and sing, you got your dog, that that takes a ton of time. But I've noticed like a lot of, like, if it is a hobby, it's something pretty simple that doesn't take a lot. Like we have, a we have to choose just like we ask yeah. our players to choose to prioritize schoolwork to prioritize mm -hmm. basketball and then somewhere down the line is friends and fun. You know, we have to prioritize too. And I've just noticed that a lot of coaches, there's just not a lot of guys that have these big hobbies out there too, that dominate mm -hmm. a lot of time. Yes. No, it's not. Uh, nothing I do is really ultra time consuming, you know, yeah. and like, I mean, that's why the early morning workouts happen and that's my window and I'm done, you know, um, you know, I, I have, and the cool thing is now is that like, because my kids are really my older two, especially they really want to like, invest in their athletics that's what they want to do and so i mean they'll get up sometimes too and say hey can i go shoot can i go do this my nice. daughter plays volleyball can i go get some hits in you know and they're waking me up sometimes saying that dad it's it's 4 40 i'm like i got five more minutes like yeah i'm ready <laughs> now you know that's um, unique. So, yeah yeah it is it's very unique so but uh but no i mean any hobby i have you know can't be um dominated too much you know yeah. and like when i was younger i mean i used to i used to watch, like watching movies and stuff and do things like that you know and i probably i can tell you i watched 
you know, Creed three. That's the last movie I've seen. Okay, we coach. Seen How Go awesome ahead. was that? Oh, it was beautiful. It was great. I loved it. I liked all the creeds. That yeah. to me was by far the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. Out of the whole genre, which I love all the Rockies and yeah, stuff me too. Me too. That's up me there, too. man. No, it was awesome. It was awesome in the and I mean, because the story you kinda you kind of follow the storyline, everything, but the way he he put everything together, you know, and just the scenes and the emotion behind it. Like I there was never a dull moment for me, you know. We never watched it. Yeah, yeah, never. It was awesome. We watched the studio movie grill and like I'm usually eating food and watching the movie. I put my food down, just was glued in, you know. My chicken strips were getting cold. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I took I took my boys to watch it and I just yeah. remember thinking, like, it's one of the best, like most well done yes, sir. movies I think I've seen. Because you know, I'm a Marvel fan. Okay. And I feel like they've just been like, man, just kind of yeah, tanking in the last year since Endgame. But but yeah. it's it's fair. Like, how do you how do you come back from like how amazing those were? Oh, and man. anyway, getting back to it, it was just such yeah. so great to see awesome movie. I wanted to go work out right after it, which you know that didn't yeah. last too long. But <laughs> uh, that's good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, it's it's a uh, that was awesome. I can't wait to my I mean, my son, especially he my 10 year old, he's like he's starting to kind of see some rocky stuff a little bit. So he's kind of getting that age where he's starting to get it. So I told him I'm going to start you at the beginning, though. I'm not going to like jump you in the creed. Yeah, we got to start you in rocky. And, you know, well done. You're right. Through, like yeah, you, could, you could skip five. You could yeah, you skip Rocky five. five. That's the, it's yeah. just, they, that, was a, <laughs> that was Tommy Gunn. That was a swing and a miss. <laughs> Coaches, the Jamoti podcast is powered by Bology. Manage and measure your player's skill development and increase accountability year round utilizing the Bology app. Boost inter squad competition with drills backed by the National High School Basketball Coaches Association, including a 40 shot Bology skills assessment. Please visit Bology.com slash teams for information on how you can provide this resource for your team. This is a super unique question to ask you. Typically the coaches that have been doing it for 30, 40 years answer the, what would you do differently? But in a sense, you're about to start over because yeah. you've been at Liberty for nine years, building relationships in a culture. Mm -hmm. You're going to Melissa. So you get to, think about now the things yeah. that you wish you could have done and you actually get to do it. So yes. what's something you do differently if you could start over, let's just say at a program? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I think initially, you know, you come in with that, the mindset of humility, you know, and, and that was, um, and I'm not saying I didn't the first time, but I'm saying like going into this, you know, really being humble because there are things and there are people and there are systems in place that are there currently that, um, Frankly, I don't necessarily know completely or um, may be foreign to me, you know, completely. So I'm um, really just coming in with humility and really trying to, um, you know, listen and learn and kind of, like I said, bridge build when it comes to that. Um, getting to know the staff, you know, really getting into initially like introducing yourself, just a simple hello, being saying hi to everybody on campus, just knowing who you are, who they are, and just building that, you know, name, face recognition and stuff. Um, program piece of it really when it comes to, we're going to have assistant coaches there that have been there for a little bit and everything. And so really listening to them and being a ear, you know, and just being a sponge, you know, um, again, we talked about being egoless. It's not about like, yes, I'm the head coach of the program, you know, but this is our program. It's not mine solely. So I really want, I'm, I'm really big on empowering coaches and giving coaches a voice and stuff. And so really just getting them the opportunity to tell me what's going on and learning um, the Cardinal way essentially and all that stuff, you know, because, I think sometimes you we can come into a situation and like really go guns a blazing like okay I'm gonna do this I'm gonna make this impact I'm gonna make sure that you know our kids are doing X Y Z and it sometimes feels forced and kind of overbearing you know um, and again going back to my college coach I mean when Coach Shepard went to college the Ozarks he kind of did the same thing he was coaching out of high school and then went to college and a guy had been there for a long period of time and he came in and slowly but surely started like working in things you know and so. Yeah. I mean, that kind of kind of made his transition a lot smoother. And so for me, it's that. I mean, really trying to build relationships, not forcing anything, you know, coming in, serving the community, um, but being authentic about it, not doing it, you know, for, you know, attention, but doing it just for the good intentions, if you will, you know. Um, and then after you, you know, build that relationship up, then you just wait for that, you know, connection and that response piece that they're going to give you, you know. Um, and then, you know, eventually you'll kind of build that bridge to where they have respect for you and all that type of stuff. So. Um, just taking it slow, you know, honestly, I mean, 
I was fortunate to start here as a you know a teacher and then you know kind of moved up the ranks and so I really didn't have to you know people didn't have to necessarily get to know me as the head coach you know they kind of knew me as teacher first yeah oh, he's a coach he's this and kind of built up to that whereas like right now it's a different you know framework I'm coming in as a coach and you know had a good program coming from things like that so it's a whole different lens that people are looking at from but like at the end of the day though if I'm going to be able to come in there I have to come in there with humility and go in there and just serve and just really try to you know pour in in places and, and just be a sponge that's the yeah. main thing so man I think there's a lot of wisdom in that because yeah. I would imagine the impulse and I think I kind I, I did that here a little bit the impulse yeah. is to within your program but without realizing it you can kind of you can do it in the classroom do it with your yeah. with other teachers too is listen I'm here I don't really care about what you've done in the past or the old right. way, here's right. the new way. And, right. and, you know, there are times where that might be necessary. Like, let's just say you're at a place where there is no culture or the culture right. was super negative. Well, right. I mean, I, I happen to know a little bit about Melissa basketball. It was a yeah. program that when I was at McKinney, I mean, I really looked up to, cause again, that, that name Hondo Webb, we, I coached yeah. against him, but it was, and when, cause Melissa, we, they played McKinney at one time and kicked our tail and I was just so I loved everything about what yeah. what the program was about everything. So you you do have that rich history, and then man, great job of thinking about those assistants you have because that's one yeah. thing I've struggled in the past is I think uh, sadly I almost enjoy a little bit or would rather sometimes being a one man show like yeah. just it's in my head I'm going to go with it. I yeah. struggle to slow down and to ask for input. But like re recognizing that you've got those assistants, they may have, they will have valuable information about oh, relationships, culture, you know, some background information that, man, you really, exactly. it's good that you knew that. So that's a, that's a, yeah, that's impressive that you're, you're seeing it that way. Yeah. 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 No, and that's the, um, that's the, the beauty of being able to, um, you know, kind of, like you said, starting new, if you will, you know, because I think the main thing is just, you know, again, kind of fighting the urge to, to, to go in and shake things up, you know, because like at the end of the day, even if the culture, even if the person that was there before you, the culture was good or bad, either way, you know, you're a different person than whomever was there before, you know? So um, yeah, you can have, you know, you can do 10 things in a row and check the boxes and everything, but two different people are saying it and doing it, you can have a different result, you know what I mean? So you want to make sure that, you know, you're being yourself, you're being authentic at the same time, but, you know, just humility, that's the big thing. I mean, I can't, um, everything in life that happens, you know, you have to kind of come in right here, you know, and not try to come in like this, because if you come in like this, you're going to lose a lot of people in that gap, you know? So yeah. you know, if you come in right here, you can all kind of lift up together. And that's, that's kind of where I mean, I'm trying to approach it. So. Coach, you ever watch the show Suits? Oh Yeah. <laughs> I just thought about Harvey Specter talking to Mike and he says, you know, a lot of guys are right here. Yeah. I like it here. Right, we, so right. when you did that, it just made me think, <laughs> of, oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. Like the idea, like the Harvey Specter idea of just steamrolling over people Yeah, and yeah. being like one, it's a show. I get that. But yeah. there are people that try to do that in yeah. our profession. It takes yeah. a village, man. And so like, we need a lot of people involved in um, a question about, uh, so when I came to at, at to faith, I basically took the style of play that we had yeah. created at McKinney, yeah. brought it over, and I, I t I'm telling you, just I got lucky. Great yeah. seniors, great players. Okay. The style of play that I brought in happened, just happened to work for them, kind of like yeah. lightning in a bottle thing. Yeah. Um, but then, unfortunately, and I've I've kind of apologized to uh, years two, three, four, maybe yeah. even five. Yeah. of still finding myself and yeah. experimenting with them and styles yeah. of play and not really yeah. understanding what works best for this clientele and whatnot. Exactly. Are you uh, bringing over a style of play that like, you, not that you're set is set in stone, but this is, yeah. this is what I like. And I'm pretty sure I can bring these guys in or are you yeah. kind of going over with a blank slate of, I'm not sure what works with these guys and I'll figure that out. Yeah, I got you. Oh, um, so I think I think it's it's a uh, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Um, I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's both. You know what I mean? Mm. What I mean by that is that like when you have um, a certain game model, you know, and your game model for me would be like I want to run 
I want us to get out and transition. I want us to flow into whatever we're flowing into. And I want us to be fighters, man. I want us to, like, you know, be the first to the floor. I want us to take charge. I want us to make the tough plays. I want us to fight on the offensive end. And, um, and fighting on the offensive end for us is, like, you know, let's pass up the good to get the great shot. Let's yeah. do the long possession here. We need to kind of slow it down and have that, you know, mental awareness and stuff like that. So um, when your game model is, you know, run, flow, fight, regardless of what your system is going to be, um, if you're doing those three things, if somebody's watching you play, they should be able to say this team runs. This team, you know, gets into their stuff pretty quickly. Man, transition defense is great. You know, this team is a team full of fighters, man. These guys are tough. They play hard. You know, they play the right way. They um, play the certain confidence that they have that borderlines on cockiness that shows that they have that, you know, that grit and that tenacity and everything. So, um, yeah, there's a style of play. I mean, I, I mean, typically these last couple of years, we've, you know, run a ball screen motion offense essentially where you know, the ball's moving, but we have, you know, pace and space. Um, defensively, you know, we've had more years. We get after repressure a little bit more, um, which that's kind of been a staple of everything we've done. But at the same time, though, you know, whatever your philosophy is going to be, which may mine be pretty similar, you know, I would think initially, um, you have to make sure there's buy-in and make sure your players can adapt to that, you know. And I think that, like, or I'm sorry, you can adapt to your players, I mean. So, yeah. like, some classes we have that, I mean, we're going to have classes. I had one group my first year here. We were huge. I mean, we started four guys that were above six six. You know, my point guard was six four. You know, I'm in a five A school, and so I'm sitting here like, okay, the last three years I was here, we ran a run and jump press where we got after it, picked you up ninety four feet. And I'm like, okay, I have you know three kids over here that can you know they can touch the sideline, standing side yeah. by side, you know, uh, sideline to sideline. So I'm like, look, let's let's try to mix it up. So we go one three one. You know, now we still ran. You know, we still flowed into our stuff. You know, I still wanted to have a team full of fighters and everything. But the way it looked was different. You know, flash forward to this year, you know, I have one guy who's above 6'5", you know. And so, you know, we were athletic. But, I mean, one guy that can actually, you know, that had a little bit of size. So, we still wanted to run, get out in transition. We still wanted to flow into our stuff. And then we wanted to fight. It just looked differently. It just looked different when it came to, like, what was on the court. But when it comes to, like, how we play, though, there should be a distinct style of play regardless, you know. And now the X and O's part of that may be a little bit different. But, like, as far as how we play and what it looks like, it should be the same. So yeah, well, well said, man. And I, I think yeah. what you're saying, like concepts, the concepts yeah. can travel, can travel 100%. from place to school to school. Exactly. Um, exactly. But maybe the continuity, maybe what what defensive you you choose yeah. might differ based on your personnel. Yeah. But the concepts that you that you teach, you can continue to tweak and mold those. So I completely 100%. get that, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited for the um, the opportunity because here we have – I have three middle school feeders, so I don't have – but they're not direct feeders. So I don't know – as far as – we can go down in the middle schools and first go and show visibility, especially where oh, I'm at. I oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought you were talking about Melissa has three. No, 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 no. <laughs> Melissa, no yeah, so yeah, first school has yeah. three feeders. They're like, yes. They're like, so where I'm at, like, I can't really – it's harder to instill those concepts because of the 30s kids I'm not even going to get. Yeah. You know, some schools, 90% of the kids we won't get. Some schools will get a little bit and it varies from class to class. Whereas, like, one of the things I'm really excited about is that some of those concepts, you know, that you can develop, I mean, in high school, you can develop those in the middle school, you know, and you can have a direct feeder to where, like, yes, it may not look the same when it comes to skill level and talent level, but they're still doing the same thing the cardinal way where they're they're running, they're flowing, they're fighting, you know. We're building those concepts and skill sets then. So when they get to high school, you know, now it's just – I mean, I always say like varsity is where you do your junk. You know what I mean? So like we might throw a, we might throw a one three one. We might throw yeah. like some run and jump stuff. We might you know, um, box and one one possession. Just little things like that because like you're trying to get that win in that game. But like when kids are developing and trying to learn though, you know that's more of like what your universal concepts for your program should be. So that's I'm mean, really excited to kind of build that up there. And that's something I haven't had the opportunity to really do like I want to. And so I can't wait. Coach, the speed round, quick yes, quest, quick questions. First thing that pops in your head, just blurt it out. Okay. All right. Favorite ice cream flavor? Cookie dough. Greatest shooter of all time? Uh, Larry Bird. <laughs> I I have a hard time. I love Larry. I have a hard time just not saying Steph myself. No, I got you. No, he, he's – but. Yeah. But our ages, yeah, I mean, I, I get that. Well, um, so I, I, I can tell you why, Larry. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, when Steph plays a game left-handed, you know, then he can he can call me. But 
Good call. <laughs> well said. Uh, yeah. Best basketball movie of all time. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, that's so tough. <laughs> that's so tough. Oh, boy. Um, I would say uh, Rebound. Earl the Gold, Man of Gold. That one. Okay. Yeah. All yeah, right. That's a good one. Texting or talking? Talking. For high school, shot clock or no shot clock? Shot clock. Good. Uh, favorite holiday? Christmas. Okay, you're up three on defense, seven seconds left, foul or no foul? Uh, up three, seven seconds left. Depends on where the ball is. All right. Depends let's on say, let's say it's, uh, let's say half court. Half court. How many fouls do we have to give? Uh, none. None no to fouls give. To give so no. None to give. No. So, like, you're either making them, you're letting them shoot a three okay. or you're putting them on the line. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Okay. Um, I would, uh, it'd be KYP, be personnel driven. So we have like a team like we've had, like my first group, that huge group where I know can rebound pretty well. Yeah. You know, we then I probably would foul. We have a group like we have now or this past year where we can switch everything, guard one through five, put a lot of pressure on you, force you taking a bad shot. Uh, or even like a team that's highly intelligent that you practice where like, I'm going to give you every, we have an umbrella defense where we have all guys around three point line and make you, I mean, either shoot a three, either shoot three, a deep three or a layup, you know? Yeah. So, I would uh, KYP on that one. So sometimes I, you know, I mean, I, I would say the varies based on your personnel, but I, yeah. mean, I kind of lean towards the no foul when it comes to that. But I would foul if I had the people. So that's good. What book would you give somebody? Um, John Maxwell's Seventeen Indisputable Laws of Teamwork. Um, that's something we read every day or every um, every season. Place you most like to travel. <laughs> Say, say, I'm sorry to get cut out for a second. Yeah, f- favorite place to travel? Oh, uh, Mexico, Cancun with my wife. We love it. Nice. Two and a half hour flight from Dallas, not far, same time zone. Is that it? Yeah, it's not far at all. <laughs> it's not long at all. Yeah. Wow. My wife and I go love to go to Hawaii, but okay. there's a part of like just the the journey is so yeah. tough. I mean, it's like yeah. you're you're going eight hours. Going eight hours, yeah. yeah no, it's Cancun's quick and it's easy. It's on the beach and we can get back home quickly. Okay. In basketball, who is the GOAT? Michael Jordan. No hesitation there. <laughs> um, okay, since you're a music guy, favorite music yeah. genre? Um, I like 2000s R&B, 90s R&B. Um, when I'm like, you know, just like driving around, um, I'm, I like hip hop too. But if you ask me like, a genre, an unexpected genre, people would say. Um, so my grandmother used to grow up playing oldies and stuff. And I'm talking like oldies, like like Fats Domino, like I mean, old like Temptations, the Four Tops, things like that. Smokey Robinson, Miracles, like old Motown. Yeah, I can listen to Motown all day. Wow. So. <laughs> all right, last one, probably most important. How many no cups? How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? I drink no cups of coffee, but I do have a Celsius or two. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Celsius, yeah. th- those are good. I'm a, I'm yeah. a C4 guy myself, which okay. Uh, okay. when I'm not drinking coffee, which is often, but <laughs> coach, this was awesome. No, uh, uh, we our, yeah. our paths haven't crossed a lot over the years, uh, yeah. which is crazy, right? That, I mean, you, you've been, you and I have been um, at the high school for almost the same amount of time. I mean, I was oh, wow. at, I, I've, I've, 16 years overall but uh 10 years here at faith and and but the dfw area is just so large that it's very possible not to run into somebody but loved love getting to learn more about you um and and how you run your program a little bit of your history and then excited for what you're going to do at melissa man appreciate it appreciate it i'm excited i can't wait to do it and i'm thankful to be on here and talk to you and everything i love talking hoops with people so it's it's great if coaches want to learn a little bit more reach out or follow you what's a good way yeah, it's um my uh Twitter is I gotta think about it for a second. That's where it's at Coach Fire 316. Um yeah, at Coach Fire 316. And then my Instagram is um at Coach Fire 33. So awesome. Well, yes, Coach, sir. thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you. Thank you a lot. Thanks a lot, Coach. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your fellow coaches, and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti Podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.